by the Freedom Times newspaper in AmericanFreedomNews.us. It's great to have your company. I'm Patricia Aiken. Also these months, I'm Sweaty Betty the Garden Gal. Mr. Don Wassel, the founder and editor of the Freedom Times, is not here this week. So guess what? The cat's away. The mouse is going to play. Let's call this Woo Woo Sunday. I got some really cool stuff to, to talk about today. And um, also, um, you can go on over to the Freedom Times, thefreedomtimes.chattango.com, and um, and hang out with the cool folks over there. And I want to give you the call-in number because we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'd love to have your input on it. The call-in number is 512-248-8252. 512-248-8252. That's the regular one if you need to call in on RBN's dime. It's 800-313-9443. So um, love to talk with you. Before we get rolling today, I want to give you a little update on um, Jeanette Finnicum. I spoke, uh, had some communication with her over the weekend, and it seems to us like the government is getting away with murder once again. Yesterday was the anniversary of of the brutal slaying of our friend Gordon Call. So um, it's not like it's something they, they're not experienced at. They certainly are. So um, her case is at the Supreme Court, but she doesn't believe that it's going to be heard. It doesn't seem like she's going to get a hearing on that. So I just wanted to give everybody that update. So let's get on to talk about some really fun stuff. Today I want to talk with you about electroculture. And this isn't just for people that garden. It's for anybody that has an indoor plant or um, you can certainly use this. Or you have trees on your property, you can certainly use this. Trees are kind of antennas in their own right. But um, if they're struggling, you may want to give them an oomph. So planting my garden this year, you know, people would talk to me and I'd say, Oh, yeah, I've been really busy in the garden getting my garden going. I don't have a little garden. I have a big garden, and uh, it's about 3,000 square feet. I'm not going to give it all, get it all planted this year, but it's big. And um, some of the things I like to do in it, um, I'm trying to get some regenerative agriculture going. And so, um, you know, to get some quorum sensing going, and we can talk about that in a minute. But three people in, in, in like three days said to me, well, are you doing electroculture? Are you doing electroculture? And I go, you know, I'm just starting to look into that. So I want to I wanna talk with you about it. I'm waiting for my, my copper to arrive. I've got some 8-gauge um, copper 
uh, about 100 feet of it uh, that should come be here on Tuesday, and I'm all excited. Because what electroculture is, is it's forming an antenna that draws the etheric energy, you know, the energy from the ether, you can call it the prana, you can call it the chi, whatever you want to call it. It draws it from the atmosphere and puts it into the soil. And people, and this is old, old technology. This is the technology that they, that they, the powers that shouldn't be, wiped out when they wiped out the Tartarian Empire. If you look at old cathedrals, for instance, you'll see that they all are covered in antennas. Some of them are just, you know, the tops of them are all antenna, and it's all copper or with mercury balls, which, you know, are conduct electricity, and, um, go, and they go into the soil. And so these cathedrals, in my mind, they weren't places to go and worship some god. No, they were technology this was they were generators that were generating um frequencies very healing frequencies through like the the rose windows the cymatics and things so this is a way to take that technology and use it in your own garden or in your own home and so what they found now i want to tell you the person that has put this on the map again and I don't believe they're ever going to be able to put this genie back in the bottle, is a man named Matt Roski. Now, I may be saying it wrong because I've heard six ways to say it, and he's too polite to correct people, but it's spelled R-O-E-S-K-E. He lives in North Scottsdale, Arizona. And when he heard about this, he, um, he had a plant out on his balcony, and it was a moringa plant. And so he made a copper coil with a stick, or I assume he used a stick, and some copper wire. You, you wrap it clockwise around the plant. It was probably two feet. And have some that goes into the soil, and then you have a little antenna on top. And he was growing his moringa. And the moringa at the farmer's market, the pods are maybe four to six inches. Well, the pods on his plant got to be 12 to 22 inches that's a huge huge improvement so he's had thousands of emails from people all over the world that are doing this and i want to direct you today's going to be kind of a place to go do your own research so his website is called cultivateelevate.com just like it's spelled cultivateelevate.com and um he's got great stuff there he's got some really cool the supplements that he sells, different stuff that you haven't seen around like pearl powder and things like that. And so, um, you know, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. As a matter of fact, the garden club here in Eureka, yesterday we went and we refilled and um, all the, what do you call them, planters on Main Street. Got some big cement planters and some wooden planters and things. And so in next week, we're going to be putting flowers in. We're waiting for the frost to make sure we don't get any frost. And um, and so then I'm going to introduce electroculture to the garden club in July, and we're going to do an experiment with these copper antennas. So what do you do? How do you make one of these antennas? Can you use copper pipe? Well, you could, but it's better if you use wood, 
like I'm using some old posts that I found there. They're, they're six feet tall. Six feet seems to give you some good ones. Now there's people like, um, Justin Christoflo, he wrote a book and you can see the PDF of it, um, on Matt's site and other people have, um, you know, talked about harnessing these energies, but, and they built like 20 foot, you know, towers with, with the wrapped in copper and, and that works great too, but you don't have to go crazy. Just six feet is the maximum, but there have been folks actually that wrapped copper around toothpicks and put them in their little, um, you know, seed starting for seed starting on, on the lights in their home and they had tremendous results. So the, the ether's everywhere, and you can harness it. And so I'm going to use six-foot ones. And actually, I have some aspens that um, there's some of them that are that are died. And so I'm going to pull those down, and they'll be a good 15, 20 feet. So I'll, I'll use some of them in the garden as well. But all you have to do is bury it, um, you know, put it in the garden so it stands up on its own so it doesn't get blown over. And then you have an antenna, wrap the coil around it clockwise. You want to be sure and go clockwise. And then have some antenna at the top. Like some people just leave just one strand or other people will formulate, you know, like kind of a flower type thing at the top. You know, whatever you want to do, that's all good. And um, I'm very excited that it harnesses the energy. And the reports say that it makes your plants drought-resistant, it also makes them uh, resistant to frost, which I think is like amazing. I live in a place with a very short growing season, so being frost resistant is very exciting to me. And um, it also it uh, it allows the plants to it magnetizes the soil, and so they can be getting the minerals out of the soil. And some people have gotten two harvests when they usually only get one after they've gone to electroculture. So I've done some really different things this year. I did um, hugel culture. I don't know if you've ever heard of hugel culture, but I had a, I was just going to make a little trench and put some, you know, big branches in that were kind of kind of thick from a cottonwood tree that came down. And then I got a wild hair and did the whole thing about four by eight feet. So I dug a one-foot trench and loaded that with um, the cottonwood tree and some other branches that I had around, you know, some big things. And you, you pile it up in a pyramid shape. And, and then I covered that with compost and the soil that I dug out and manure and all that kind of stuff. And um, and that should last about five years. And that's G German technology. So I'm interesting, interested to see what the electroculture and the hugel culture do together. So I'm quite the cultured person these days. So, um, and that actually creates mycorrhizal fungi because of the the logs and things that are in, in there. And it breaks down, it keeps it very spongy, and it holds on to water better and uses the soil better. And the thing that I'm doing throughout the garden is called regenerative agriculture. And the person that I'd like you to really get familiar with, um, if you're interested in all of this, it's very important, I think, is a man by the name of Gabe Brown. And he's a, a rancher, farmer from South Dakota. His son now runs the farm, and he pretty much runs uh, understandingag.com. You can see some absolutely amazing uh, transformations at understandingag.com. Now, Alan Savory, 
was probably the first person to say that droughts don't create deserts. Deserts create droughts. And you'll see a story, a transformation from someone in the Chihuahuan Desert, a rancher there, who um, he transformed the area. I mean, I think he has about 30,000 acres. You know, in the desert, you know, you need a lot of acreage per cow. So it's um, pretty pretty exciting what they're, what they're doing. And, um, and so what's happened there is because he started using regenerative techniques, and what they do is they move their cattle every day. But you can do this in the garden. Um, but to get back to the Chihuahuan Desert, what he did, he only gets six inches of rain a year. And he says, but I don't need that many. <laughs> six inches. But just using regenerative techniques, and he had, a, he had a mentor, someone that helped him. He wanted to do it. I mean, his grasslands look lush now. It looks like grass in Montana. And rain clouds are starting to form over the Chihuahuan Desert. More ranchers there have have adopted these these this farming principles and it's an absolutely amazing transformation absolutely amazing so so that's part of um that's part of regenerative agriculture and the transformation that takes place and why is that why is that good for us well as a natural health person when i saw that i said oh my gosh they're healing the earth's microbiome because it's putting so much so many more nutrients into the soil and in changing how the soil um, is is actually um, composed. I mean, it's putting root exudates. So I talked to the person that's uh, a soil scientist, and her name is Dr. Christine Jones, and I should look up her website here, but it's hard to do when I'm on. But um, I think it's Amazing Carbon is, is her website. But Dr. Christine Jones, and she's she said, because I asked her from a gardening point of view, you say you have, need to have... She had told someone 10 different plants, but that could be 10 different types of grasses. And she um, counseled a dairy farmer in, in New Zealand, and he didn't, he didn't want some Aussie bird telling him how to run his farm. <laughs> but he met her, and you know, he's, he's, she sounded uh, sincere and like she knew what she was doing. So he followed her advice, and he went and he dug up some of his soil, and it was just black. And he said, oh, my gosh, I must have burned something here and, and, and just forgot. So he went and dug in some other places all over his farm, his dairy farm, now has black soil. There's so much carbon in it from doing what she told him to do. And he's, um, he's not making fun of uh, any Aussie birds these days. So it's pretty cool. And so what she counseled me, as I said, 10, she says, no, you just need six. And I said, you need six can you have like different types of tomatoes? Like say you have one tomato plant and another type, you know, black Cherokee over here or purple, you know, whatever you have. He said, no, it has to be 10 different species of, of plants. Like for instance, alliums, onions, garlics, leeks, those, that sort of thing. Or I call it the carrot family. I think it's apiaces is might be the right way to say it. I don't know. I didn't study Latin. Carrot, fennel, parsley, cumin, dill, cilantro, all the stuff that's kind of feathery on top. You kind of know those go together. Um, the strawberry plant is very interesting. Strawberries, blackberries, um, raspberries, and guess what else goes in that? Hollyhocks are in that family. That's kind of interesting. 
Um, and Gabe Brown puts flowers in his vegetable gardens just to create that diversity that you need to get the plants to start talking to each other. When they talk to each other, when you have six different families, they start talking to each other and they put out what's root exudates. They exude liquid carbon and other substances into the soil that transform the soil. And why is that important? Because foods that are grown on regenerative agriculture maintained soil has 2,000 times more nutrients than regular produce. So, I mean, that's really important since they're, they're, they're engineering this food shortage is to grow your food in a way that you get a whole bunch more nutrition from it. So, and that includes the animals that are raised on regenerative um, agricultural land as well. So the other one, the, the, the daisy family, I call it, that's um, aster, aster family, daisies, lettuce, chicory, um, artichokes, believe it or not, sunflowers, echinacea, marigolds, those kinds of things, yarrow, ageratum. Um, now, the solanaceae family, I, I think of as nightshades, the potatoes, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, but petunias are in that family as well. And so I always try to put like brassicas, uh, you know, cabbage, cauliflower, turnips, radish, you know, whatever, that family, along with spinach, beetroot, chard, and amaranth, that's another family. Um, the lilies are tulips, asparagus, lilies, and hosta. That's pretty cool. And the curcubits, obviously, the, those um, melons, cucumbers, pumpkins, and zucchinis. The bean family, I call legumes, fabaceae uh, is, I think, the botanical name. But green beans, peas, pears, alfalfa, and clover. I was really surprised to find out that alfalfa was um, in the legume family. That's pretty interesting. No wonder it has so much protein in it. So um, herbs are usually um, lamia, L-A-M-I-A-E. Don't know how to say that, but the herbs, marjoram, thyme, sage, basil, rosemary, oregano, lavender, catmint. Uh, foxglove. I like to have foxgloves in my garden. That's a whole separate family. A grasses, a corn. And then sweet sweet potatoes and morning glories are their own kind. So, and also borage. Borage is a separate one. Buckwheat. Uh, that's a polygonaceae. I call it, and rhubarb. Those are grapes. Different family. So, that's what people do that want carbon in the soil to replace carbon in the soil. How do we know that the carbon has been stripped from the soil? Well, we know that when we see dust storms. When we have a dust storm here in the valley, it means somebody's, you know, tilling soil here in the valley and the wind's blowing, that it's white or a very light gray. And that means there's no carbon left in the soil. But if you look back to the Dust Bowl, to the dirty 30s, what, what color was the, you know, the dust storm then? It was black. I had a friend uh, that uh, she grew up in um, Kansas during the Dust Bowl. And they would have all the windows and doors closed, everything on. And in the middle of the day, when the dust storm would come up, it was so black, they couldn't even see the ceiling light. They turned the light on the ceiling and they couldn't even see that. That's how thick it was, but it was black because it was still carbon in the soil. Hey, we're on to some more woo-woo stuff. See you, see you after the break.
It's primary season again. I'm Peter Serafine with another Liberty Minute. Tuesday was primary day in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, my home state. That really got me thinking about the entire primary process. Primaries are how two main political parties, private organizations, decide who they'll put on the ballot for the actual election. The direct primary election is unique to the United States. The current system has only been around since the 1970s, and somehow it's become taxpayer-funded. The 2016 primary elections cost taxpayers over $427 million. And to make that idea even worse, not everyone is allowed to participate in the taxpayer-funded selection process. $26 million registered voters can't vote in primaries because they're not registered to one of the two big parties and live in closed primary states. So what's the solution? Make the parties pay for their own primaries or go back to caucuses. The parties pay for the process every one of the caucus states. If you believe in limited government and you're fed up with the uniparty, visit constitutionparty.com and break out of the two-party illusion. Find more news and commentary at liberty-lighthouse.com. Until next time, see this Pashem Parabello. Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to the Freedom Times News Hour. I'm Patricia Aiken. Don Wassel's away, so the cat, cat's away. The, this mouse is playing, so it's it's really fun. I talked to some people. They were they were busy today too. So I go, good. I get to talk about all the stuff I want to talk about. So um, that's electroculture. It's it's very cool. You can do it in your house plants. You can do it um, any anywhere you have a plant. Uh, people have wrapped um, branches. In, 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 in copper wire, coiled it up. And when they put it in the ground, sometimes the branch actually starts to develop leaves again. It comes back to life. Uh, plants that have been dead for a while, 
come back to life. It's absolutely amazing. So, you know, I'm just really excited about it. And, um, and I think you will be too, if you, if you give it a try. So, and I'll be back and let you know as the summer progresses, how that goes. So, um, the resets, let's talk about those. What happened to the Tartarian empire? Well, I think there were wars, um, against them. And, and so, but it's hard to say, you know, the CIA has wiped, has shown that they just totally obliterated any mention of Tartaria. So, and then, then there have been resets, and I'm sure they were damaged in resets as well. So the next reset, according to Jason Brashears, if you don't follow archaics.com, you're missing out. But it's a lot of information, and Jason got his information by doing research when he was in prison. He, uh, he was supposed to go to prison for, for seven years as a 17-year-old. As a they try you as an adult in Texas. And um, the, fam the victim's family didn't want him to go to prison. The victim herself didn't want him to go to prison. It wasn't, he actually rescued her from the, from the real perpetrator. And, uh, but, you know, they didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. So um, they sent him to prison. And 17 years turned into 28 years. And so he, but he has an incredible mind to be able to data mine old books and, um, and, and put it all together. And he actually put all the calendars together and overlapped them to show what the real calendar is. And what he found was that every 38 years there is a reset. The last one was in 1902. It was a small reset, but it was um, a definite reset. There are the powers that shouldn't be go underground, and I think there are some benefactors in, in that group. They take books and things underground. And then when it's over, they uh, they reappear. And what happens in the resets is, um, well, let me just say this. The next one is going to be a big one, however. According to Jason and according to the timeline, how they happen is going to be in 2040 is going to be the next one. 2040, so we've got about 17 years to go here. It'll be in May. It'll be in the middle of May. I think May 15th or 16th is the date that he that they usually happen in. And this will be a big one. And uh, what happens is we go back to um, pretty much living in the Stone Age. I mean, the the electricity is wiped out, or the, the infrastructure is wiped out, and so it's pretty interesting how that happens. However, what 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 is important is to not to be afraid of it. And to understand that it's coming, I think we live in a in the simulacrum, which is holographic in nature, a very sophisticated holography. And I don't believe that it's uh, by any benevolent god, so to speak. I think it's the demiurge and those cohorts. I think they are the fallen beings. They are the fallen beings, not people. Uh, and we've been recruited to come here. Either uh, we volunteered <laughs> for some for whatever reason, but uh, I, I won't be back. But these resets, the one in, in 2040, should be very very interesting. And but the people, places, like for instance, that that are wiped out in, in one reset, just villages right near them where people haven't been concerned about it. Fine, un unscathed unscathed so 
it should be very interesting, uh, 2040. So if you don't follow Jason at archaics.com, I recommend it, A-R-C-H-A-I-X.com. Uh, excellent, excellent site. You can get all their, um, oh, yeah, you can get all their, um, yeah, and Mirbelli is asking a question. 138 years, not 38, 100, every 138 years. And what's interesting is the Great Pyramid of Giza, everything, every line in that is divisible by 138. And so he really thinks that the this will end in, in 21, 2178. I think it's 2178. So I ha I'd have to do the math on that. But the next one that's coming up that I'm interested in is the 2040. So, and um, I think um, someone here in the chat room has said he got himself some comfrey oil and healed my fractured arm that was still hurting over a year after my injury. Wow, awesome, all better now. Yeah, I believe in, in, in natural stuff. Yeah, in, in horseradish, I was just talking to folks at the garden club about growing horseradish. Um, and well, I mean, we got tons of mustard plant here, purple mustard, yellow mustard, but it's it's just weeds. Um, but it's Nebraska, so I let it go. Um, did I not say comfrey? Comfrey oil. So we'll be back. Woman on the radio talks about revolution when it's already plastered by. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee... You have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. American Freedom News is your daily website that will keep you fully informed on what both the good guys and bad guys are doing in the information war in which we are all engaged. Fed up with the lies of the fake news media and the censorship of big tech giants? American Freedom News is the solution as we provide truth and knowledge on all the vital issues of the day. American Freedom News believes in America first. The establishment wants us split into numerous hostile groups rather than uniting in a common cause against the corrupt oligarchy that is plundering America and the world. Many more Americans are waking up and realizing they are the victims of the ongoing Great Replacement and Great Reset. But the malevolent forces trying to systematically destroy America can and will be defeated. Be fully informed by reading American Freedom News, the best news and information site on the Internet. Go to AmericanFreedomNews.us and find out for yourself. That's AmericanFreedomNews.us. 
What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too. EaseOff LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. Welcome back to the Freedom Times News Hour. I'm your host, Patricia Aiken, today. Uh, Don Wassel's away, so cat's away. This mouse is playing. So um, I want to give you the call in number again. It's 512 248 8252. 512 248 8252. Come on, call in. Talk to me about some of this stuff. I know uh, people in the chat room are, are, are talking about it. So I want to hear that super chicken story, Mer Bailey. Come on, call in. I want to hear it. So uh, back to back to woo woo. Um, so I just want to turn you on to to Jason and the simulacrum. I believe we live in a very sophisticated holographic reality, and I believe it is a reincarnation soul trap. Now the person that invented this or, or came up with the term louche farm uh, was a man named Robert Monroe, the Monroe Institute. And it's very interesting. He, um, he, he wrote it in one book. Um, he got very depressed about it. He was someone that um, did out-of-body experiences, and he, he got very proficient at them. And it was a being that he met um, on the astral planes that told him that Earth was a, a loose farm and that what they do is they need to harvest people suffering and pain and anxiety and, and negative feelings. Oh, they also like love. They're very big on unrequited love, especially. And there's an excellent book written called Alien Love Bite. That's a fascinating read. Uh, but, and, but reincarnation soul trap. So they, they harvest the louche. And then when we, when we die, they, um, they love bomb us. When you get to the astral planes, they send anybody you want to see, whether it's Jesus or your grandma or your favorite dog or whatever, to get you to go to that light tunnel. Well, I'm completely opposed. And I've looked at a lot of research on it. Uh, probably the person that's done even a, a whole lot of research is Dan from overwatchproject.com. Um, he's done some great work on it. He's a former detective. 
And he kind of grew up a, very similar to me, East Coast guy, became a detective. And, um, and so, but he was a renegade detective. He couldn't stand cop culture. And he, he really looked into it. He read the Bible four times before he could get rid of his cognitive dissonance and find out that, no, that doesn't work. Hey, Murr's here. I want to hear this story. Welcome, Murr Bailey. Oh, thank you, Patricia. Yeah, um, you know, I had some chickens, and uh, I have two hens left, and one of them is the super chicken, which is kind of interesting in itself that she would be one of the ones still left alive, but uh, they're nine years old now. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they're they're good size. They're uh, Plymouth Rock, and, uh, you know, the father was uh, Egbert, <laughs> Egbert the uh, rooster. And uh, then there were hens. There was a, a, you know, Plymouth Rock hen, so they were like the alpha couple, right? <laughs> and then a couple of Hudsons, uh, which are red, and uh, a couple of um, uh, Orpingtons that were blonde, right? And one, of course, was named Blondie, and she was the best mother and everything. But So apparently Blondie was the mother of this chicken. But anyway, uh, they hatched in um, 2014, and uh, I had cats that were brought out here from New Jersey to live out their days. <laughs> and wow. one of them, uh, you know, was real proud. It was about pigeon-sized, you know, caught the bird and, you know, bringing it to me, right? So I petted her, told her what a good hunter she was, and gently pried the bird out of her mouth. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, chickens don't, it hasn't been my experience that they survive usually once they're injured, you know? So uh, I thought, well, well, I'll just put them in with the rest. And then I thought, oh, comfrey. You know, I have a lot of comfrey. So I just picked a whole bunch of comfrey leaves and put it in there with them. And they loved it. All the chickens love it. And it makes her eggs even better, you know. But, wow. uh, yeah. But so she lived. And um, when they started laying eggs, um, you know, they're really soft when they come out. Hers were as big as goose eggs. <laughs> wow. From the comfrey. Well, from where she was wounded is why it was so big. Uh, but because the next year then, after she healed, her eggs were pigeon-sized eggs. But then ever since that, they've been normal-sized eggs. And now she's the only one between the two that's laying. In fact, she gave me one this morning. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've got a nine-year-old chicken that's still laying eggs? Yeah, and then it's apparently just this one super chicken, the Hudson. She She laid a few earlier this year, but I, I think she's finished. You know, she hadn't hadn't laid any since that, uh, but the super chicken, Orpy, I call her Orpy, you know, for Orpington, but yeah, so she's she's laying them still and, and delicious eggs, you know. That's a, that's absolutely amazing that, yeah. that a, a nine-year-old chicken is still laying eggs. I've never heard of a nine-year-old chicken laying eggs uh, before. I and know. you've had a um, and you're doing some regenerative agriculture. You've um, got some folks, um, two young men that are using uh, regenerative grazing on your land. Yeah, Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, the, um, the one fellow, he's uh, the eldest son of a neighbor here, and uh, he uh, now has his own young family, and his friend does too. And, you know, they approached me. I said, oh, sure, Caleb. <laughs> of course, you don't even have to ask, you know. So, uh, yeah, so they're out here. Every day, taking care of them and uh, moving them around and stuff. What, so, what, kind, what kind of what kind of cattle? Oh, it's a mixture. Okay. I, I wouldn't even know. I know one has really long horns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love long horns. I they're know. amazing. But they're real sleek and fat, healthy, you know. And they on these hot days, they you know put them in a paddock that can 
reach into the woods so they can go in there and get cool in the shade. Oh, um, well, that's nice. Gosh. <laughs> I, remember, I, I remember a story of a farmer that they wouldn't let him put up a, um, I forget what he wanted, you know, something to provide shade to his, um, uh, to his, you know, his animals. And so he built a big table and chairs, <laughs> huge <laughs> table and chairs. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love really that. Funny. I love how people are so creative. You know, uh, I do too. A little bit out off subject, but this Kirsten Dirksen on YouTube. I oh, always, I love her stuff. Oh, you too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just so creative. So many different things. You know, uh, you know, it's a lot about housing and things, but all kind of different projects. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen um, the the biggest little farm? No, I don't it's think been I out have. for a few years. Oh, you would love it. It's about this couple in California, and they they and what happened is they they adopted this dog named named Todd, and Todd was would bark when they you know were at work all the time, and she was a chef. Uh, she was a private chef, and she wanted to grow her own food. And then they needed a place for Todd because they couldn't. They were getting evicted from their apartment because he of his barking. And so you've got to see the story and the transformation of this of this farm. I mean, it had su- such compacted, useless, dead soil, and what they transformed it with. I think you can get it on Netflix. It, I should have just bought it instead. Of, I've, <laughs> I've seen it twice now, and I want to show it to other people. So uh, you know, it's four bucks to watch, and it's a wonderful, wonderful video about regenerative agriculture and, yeah. and everything they went through. Very, very cool story. They give gar- they give tours now. That's how oh, cool that's it is. Great. Well, you know, yeah. some people don't like to use the cardboard. They'll say, oh, well, you know, you don't know how it was refined and whatnot. But you can cut down the grass, weeds, whatever, whack them with a sickle or whatever, you know, and put cardboard down and then just keep layering uh, green and brown compost, you know, including manure, and, you know, and you hose it down and... Uh, so it's not only no-till, but it just builds the soil up really quickly. Yeah, a lot of market gardeners, um, that that's how they do it. I, I tried to do it. I have super compacted soil. So uh, we've got another call. Stay with us, Mer Bailey. We'll talk oh. with Kelly from Georgia. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, we can't hear Hello? Oh, there you go. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to hey, the hey. Freedom Times News Hour. Yes, thank you. Um, this is a fantastic show. I've I've enjoyed your show since it's been on because I feel like there's really a need for more shows about gardening and agriculture and just the things that you've you've covered uh, since you've been on RBN. But today is fantastic. I love Jason Brashears, and my husband and I have been trying to start some electroculture. So when you announced that at the beginning, I was like, awesome. And then you went into oh. Jason Brashears. So it's just, I, yeah, I um, love his work. I've just kind of been into it for about six months and you know there's so much there <laughs> and then, uh, oh i know to digest it all but well, i like the and, and i can't think of her her channel but she um she has simplified the archaics information and put it you know because you know like so many smart people they just get into all the minutiae of something when you really kind of need some broad strokes with the archaics information to get started don't you think oh yeah yeah and i actually i think i just came across that channel the other day and and uh have one of them open one of her videos open on my computer right now because it is it, it's it's like i'll listen to him and be like yes i totally 
identify with it and it all makes sense. But when I try to explain it to somebody else, it's, it's really hard. And so I think her <laughs> channel is going to help with that. <laughs> yeah, so. I, don't think, I don't think I have an elevator pitch for Jason yet, but uh, I, I did write an article and we put it on uh, AmericanFreedomNews.us, you know, talking about it. So, but uh, so where, where are you at on the reincarnation soul trap part? Oh, that I absolutely believe that too. And when you said uh, a few minutes ago that you weren't going to come back again, I nodded. I said, "Absolutely, me neither." Last yeah, timers. Once you, you come, figure you that out, no, I have no idea. <laughs> I might, uh, I might have to be in, under punishment or something. Who knows? <laughs> uh, oh no, there's, a, there's no pun- the, the punishment is just being here. I think. So, 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 so Kelly, um, so, so, have you started electroculture? Um, we got, I got some copper wire and we, we actually have, when you said that about the diseased plants coming back, we have some geraniums that are doing terribly. We've never tried to grow those here before. And I think we're going to try to, to rejuvenate those with it. And then I'm going to put some in with the green beans, but we just got the wire yesterday. We got it delivered. And so we'll be working on getting all of that. I think I'm going to do a couple of, you know, control groups. And yeah. uh, just kind of see how it goes. We're very limited on our gardening space here. So we kind of mix everything up. Like you were talking about the different groups. <clears throat> we have to do that right. just out of necessity. And um, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm really excited about it because it's the kind of thing that, you know, it, I don't think it's going to hurt. And, and you know, if, if it alleviates the need for any sort of pesticide or herbicide, even organic you know, chemicals you you really don't want to use if you don't have to. So I'm exactly. pretty excited about it. Yeah, well, I'm excited. Well, you're where, where I'm at. Listen, we'll have to we'll have to trade notes here as the summer goes on. Yeah, I, I want to hear how it's going. Fr- friends of mine on Maui said that they thought they only put up one. They they had a smaller garden area, and they used a small diameter piece of lumber. It was maybe like a one by one all around square piece i don't know what you'd call that but they it, it was about five feet and they noticed that the, they need to water less the plants seem to mm. require less water is what they said interesting well that's always a good thing especially for like where you live for sure oh yeah <laughs> here in the desert yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah you probably get too much water there but that's the, the cool thing about regenerative agriculture is it um for instance there was just a bunch of rain. I forget they got like 12 inches or 13 inches overnight one time in um, at, at Gabe Brown's farm and ranch. And the next day, one of the people, the science soil scientists, hey, I want to come out and look at your fields. And they said, okay. And he said he could have driven on his fields. That's how well they handled the water. Wow. An, an, another man, his farm got flooded. It was like three or four feet underwater. And he said, oh, we're done this year. But but no, everything came back. Everything came back. He got a harvest after the, the water subsided because wow. he'd been doing things regeneratively. It's amazing. And how long have, have they had it set up that way? Oh, he'd been doing it for, for years. Okay, okay. So he wasn't yeah, just starting he, off. Yeah, yeah it wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't just starting off. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Have you ever done mm-hmm. anything with... Um, Johnson Soup bioreactors by any chance? Uh, no, but I, I don't know about that. My husband has built has done the hugel culture. I can't say that. Um, yep. 
He's we he's built a couple of beds in that uh, matter, but I'm not. What is the thing you just mentioned? I'm not familiar with that. Oh, a Johnson Soup bioreactor is by uh, David Johnson and his wife. She's the Sue part. Um, I forget her first name. And um, he, she was tired of him coming home from um, uh, so filthy uh, <laughs> from work. And so she said, hey, there's mm-hmm. a better way to do this. And so she showed him a, it must be an Asian way to start it. But um, they just build. And I would use um, totes, you know, those metal uh, frames for uh, pesticides and stuff that come in a, a big plastic bladder. You could use that. He builds them, and they're a little rickety, it seems to me. But you um, layer in um, mulched leaves, and you can do it with just leaves. You can put compost in. You can put anything in. And then um, and you have some tubes in there, some perforated um, stuff that you, that you put in to get air. But you only have to leave the those pipe type things in for 24 hours and then you take them out and it's got enough air and after it cools down a little bit um, you can add red worms to it and it makes the most amazing soil input um, just just crazy with microorganisms mycorrhizae fungi like hundreds of different kinds and um, and people say and you only need a pound per acre wow and so he had so they're, they're sunflowers. He's in um, New Mexico, and sunflowers are usually about about four feet high and the size of, you know, maybe five inches across. They were feet, several feet over his head and like a foot, you know, across. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> on, really ter- on really terrible soil. So that's what that's one of the things since, you know, to get started regeneratively, that kind of kick starts, but you have to put it on every year. But as you go, I think that will, um, you know, you won't have the need for it. But mm-hmm. you can, you can mm-hmm. look it up. Johnson Sue, I'll put it in the chat room so people can see. So Yeah, yeah, thank you. Bailey, have you heard about those? No, I hadn't. That sounds interesting. And, you know, I might have skimmed past it somewhere. There's just so yeah. much out there, but I don't remember uh, looking into it. I will. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's something. Um, they've got a website. And I didn't think to, to mention them on, um, let's see, did that get put in? Oh, yeah, I think it did. Okay. Yeah, Johnson Soup Bioreactor is what they call it. And he does it real real simply. And the reason I don't do one here, I'd like to, I'm, I'm going to find somebody at the garden club that has an enclosed barn. My shed is open on both ends, and so it'll be too cold for it. But um, if you can enclose it in the winter, you know, start it in the fall when you, when you rake leaves, put it all together, you, you kind of mulch those up so they're smaller, add other stuff to it if you want. You can actually use spent grain uh, from like a, a microbrewery or things like that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great way to, to, make, uh, to make soil. And at first they were, they, were, they were just using the soil, but then they found out that they could just make, like, a compost tea from it, and one pound does a, an entire acre. Well, and that's really our, the biggest challenge that we have come across is, is just getting good soil. You know, you go to the Pike Nursery, the, the, the big one down here, and it's, you know, 15 bucks to get a regular-sized bag of their commercially made soil and it would just be so much better to be able to make that kind of stuff ourselves and, and regenerate, you know, and I just, I think too, like when you keep it going on your own land, it's kind of like the, the ringing cedars, I guess, you know, you've got multi-generational things going on and 
and, and the DNA of the, the people there and just all of that gets gets built into the soil. And, and when you keep that soil going, instead of bringing in stuff that you buy at the store, it's, it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do, do you um do you put your seeds in your in your mouth before you plant them, Kelly? That I did that for the first time this year. Um, I planted some beans, and I did four different types of green beans, or you know, just uh, string beans, and some a couple of green ones, and then one purple variety and one yellow. And I did that, and oddly enough, one whole row didn't come up. I think it was just a bad, like maybe a bad batch of seeds or something. But the other ones are doing really well, so I'm going to be interested to see what happens with that. So, have you done that before? Yeah, I've done it, but. I, <laughs> You know, I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a pound. So I did it with some seeds. Oh, they're way too small a seed. They're fine. Beans or or, or a squash or, you know, zucchini seeds are fine, you know, but um, don't do it with the little ones. But I think you could actually spit in a a little cup and and put them in there. That would be a good way to get your DNA on them. You know, I I believe in all that. And I I think it's true. You know, I was so disappointed in those purple beans. I, I had some the first year. And is when you cook them, they turn green. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was disappointed. Yeah. Hey, um, Preston yeah. John seventeen twenty nine says top on my list of for the future is ginger, turmeric, and garlic. Yeah, we grow a lot of garlic here. Mine, mine got lost, but I'm I'm gonna a- add some this year, as well as a selection of peppers from making paprika. Oh yeah, urban spice guy for sure. Hey, I've got mm-hmm. some um, ginger seed here. You know, it, I didn't know what it was. I'd forgotten I'd order it, and it came without any invoice in it, and it came from China, so I was, like, worried to plant it. But, um, Presto John, send me your address at um, sacredcowbarbecue at protonmail.com, sacredcowbarbecue at protonmail.com, and I'll share some of these ginger seeds with you because I wasn't able to find some organic ginger that I could start um you know that would take I, I i've tried it a couple of years but it just wasn't organic enough so if it had too much no, you, you know that anti-sprouting stuff have you tried starting the ginger just from a you know from a from a root from the, already from true, the root? yeah, yeah that it did it didn't work because it was treated it had anti-sprouting stuff on it oh. I, I wasn't able to I, you know i live in the middle of nowhere so finding organic ginger that you could do that with is is going to be a challenge so well, we could maybe send you some from Georgia. Um, I, is your email on the RBM website and everything? No, I know it's, it's Sacred Cow Barbecue at ProtonMail dot com. So. Okay, okay, I'll email you because we grow it every year. Okay, so. Sacred Cow, Sacred Cow BBQ. <laughs> yeah, BBQ, right? Thank you, Sacred okay. Cow BBQ. I'm putting it in the chat at ProtonMail. Yeah, we should. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. We got some gardeners here. We got some people that really know what they're doing. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, Very I cool. really miss, there used to be a show on Saturday mornings on RBN that did uh, the rural, rural survival show. And, yes. and that was about the only one that really covered any gardening. And I really enjoyed that and miss it. And of course, Tim is no longer with us anyway. But um, I'm just glad to hear this. I've heard other callers say that, you know, RBN needs more of this type of stuff on it. So I'm, I hope that uh, that a lot of people are getting good information from this because yeah. it's, it's definitely something we need more of. And, Mayor, I didn't realize you were on here, too. I feel like I'm talking to Irby and royalty. So. I know. Me, too. <laughs> me, too. I'm, I'm eavesdropping on royalty here. I wanted oh, to no. say something about Patricia and her royalty. You're, you're I, the, I, 
always have enjoyed her listening to her, her voice and, and just everything she has to say. And she used to be on Revolution Radio when I first heard her. And then with the thing with Malheur, you know, and in Oregon, of course, that means bad hour. And there's a cave there. And a, it's a Masonic temple or meeting oh. hall or whatever in that in that space, right? And it's an interesting right. story about that cave anyway, about the Native, uh, you know, or Indians. A lot, of, a lot of Native Americans like to be called Indians, American Indians. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, but anyway, they have the ones that were there, they have this story and, and talking about being hooked up like quantum entanglement and uh, the metaphysics, right, and being, uh, you know, attached to the different living creatures. Well, their spirit animal was a coyote. And uh, this other tribe, I don't know what the beef was, but they were coming after them, and they were out there gathering stuff for winter and all. And the uh, coyote warned them that this tribe was coming. So that's why Malheur is like it is. They went in there and built up this um, stone wall, and there's lots of uh, arrowheads from where the other tribe had <laughs> tried to get them, right? But the end of it eventually had to give up. But Tom Davis, you had on your show, Patricia. Sure, Tom several Davis, times. you bet. Yep, and he said, I, I'd like to go in there and see, you know, if there's blood stains on that altar. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that'd, be, that'd be very interesting. I've been following a galactic storyteller is back on YouTube, a lady named Madeline. I don't know her last name. Um, and she's been gone for several years um, in, uh, because her, her son uh, very sadly committed suicide during the pandemic. But, um, and so she's, she's speaking out about that. But she covers all the satanic ritual abuse and the satanic sacrifices in the Mormon temple. She had a lady named um, Christy Allen on who told the story. And she said several other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's in, I think the lady's name is Asia Rain. And, um, yeah, just just shocking stuff that goes on. Well, you know, that's the whole basis for this whole financial system and everything, is this child sacrifice. People don't realize that that is what is holding up this whole false structure and how so many times when these people were expelled, which was 1,030 on record, although you could add a 31, as Dennis Fecho said, when when they were kicked out of Afghanistan, right, recently, <laughs> Yeah. You know, but that was, you know, you hear, okay, usury and all the other stuff they did and, and, and whatever, but it, it was child sacrifice. And apparently Christopher Columbus, whose real name is Zarco, and uh, I, I'll put a link in the chat there, but his, uh, the last sacrifice they did was like, apparently a Christian boy named Christopher, but they were expelled from Spain. You know, they weren't funded by Isabella or any of that stuff. So when right, he came over went- here, yeah. Yeah, right, and sent to and sent to Sicily. A lot of them went to Sicily, and that's where the mafia comes from. Yeah, it was the Sicilian all over mafia the place. isn't Italian. <laughs> no, it's kosher nostra. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I'm going to give a little shameless plug here. Next week, uh, at 2 p.m. You know, just before your show, I'm going to revive my yours truly myrrh, and I'm going to delve into a lot of that stuff. Okay, we can't wait. Oh, hey, good to hear. Her. Bailey, Kelly, thank you so much. We've had a we've had a fun conversation here. I always love talking to uh, natural health and natural uh, g- gardening people. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patricia. Thank Thanks, you. Kelly. Bye-bye. Thank bye bye. Thank you, Mayor. Bye bye.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.